All right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, we are back with another amazing episode, and I am here with the CEO slash CFO <laughs> of Transpo CFO, right? Correct. That was, that's a mouthful. <laughs> that is, I don't even know how I pulled that off without without messing it up. Miss Denisha Gray, how are you, Denisha? I'm well. How are you today? I'm I'm great. I'm blessed. I'm happy to be here. Happy to you know talk about some trucking and more specifically talk about trucking and finance. Correct. Right, because we all know to stay in business, you have to be on top of your finances, and that's a very important uh, piece, especially now in in this particular time in the industry where, you know, there's we have high fuel and so forth, and all these different things impacting business yeah. where you got to be on top of every penny, yeah. right? So I'm great grateful to have you here. So thankful, thankful, thank you so much for that. And uh, we're gonna talk some finances and trucking today. Is that right, okay perfect. with you? That's perfect. All right, cool. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about your background in this industry, so we could understand why you're qualified to to help other people with their finances. So tell us a little bit about yourself, starting with where you're from. All right, I was gonna say, where do you want me to start? Yeah, so yeah. I am, uh, I'm originally from Flint, Michigan. Uh, born and raised there. Uh, went to college in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, on a basketball and academic scholarship, uh, and then I moved here to Atlanta around uh, 20, 2009, 2009. Okay. Yep, so so journey to get here was um, play ball, um, had a, well, graduated college, uh, got a job. My boss at the time was like, you, you wasting your talent here with us, you should be playing ball somewhere. So I ended up going back to Michigan, playing semi-pro ball. Uh, that ended up being like I was there, which I didn't have a job, I was broke. <laughs> and so my brother was like, you can't stay up there. So um, he lived here in Atlanta. So I ended up getting a one-way ticket down here, got a job within like three weeks. And then like a couple months of me being here, I ended up getting a call to go overseas and play basketball. Okay, so, so you ball for real. I did. Like ball is life. You, you went semi-pro overseas. Yep. What position? Point guard? Of course. I was going to say, <laughs> definitely not center. Of course, point, point guard. But you got some skills. I, I, I was pretty I was pretty good at what I did yeah. back in my day. <laughs> you were a facilitator. I was. All right, so yeah. you played overseas where? I played in Sweden. Sweden? Yep, I was in Visby, Sweden. Okay, how, how long did you do that? So I did that for half a season. Um, my father and my grandfather both passed away when I was over mm, there. Sorry to hear that. And thank you. So um, when I came back, I had like four deals when I came back, and I turned down all four deals because at the time, for whatever reason, I associated ball with death. And so... Mm, because of like that, like yeah. it was like traumatizing exactly. in a way. It was like, and it was literally back to back. So um, I made a decision to not go back overseas, and then that's how I... Came back to Atlanta and then got consumed in, you know, the ATO party life. I was about 25 at the time and okay. started, got into the career aspect of things. So Got you. So when you're playing ball in Sweden, were you getting paid? Yeah. Like, how much was the pay? Uh, so, it, honestly, it was crappy. Right, right. <laughs> um, it was just the experience. So I think I was probably making about 1500 a month. So is that like, what's, what's, what's Swedish money? No, 1500 US dollars a month. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, got 50. So is the cost of living cheap out there? I pay for nothing. Okay, they, they basically, they pay, yeah. they pay for all your living expenses exactly. and they pay you like a, a stipend exactly. to like, be there. Yeah, but I came out of my pocket for nothing while I was over okay. there. Okay, yeah. okay. Were you like a celebrity over there? I was. It was so truly like a loving basketball type of situation. That's that's legit how it is. So okay. you walk down the street and they know that you're there for the basketball team because you don't look like the other people there. Right. And so it was uh, myself and one other American. And so, you know, we were walking, if we walked into a restaurant, the restaurant owner would stop what he was doing to cook for us. Uh, walk into a bar, drinks all on the house all night. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a good, it was good a good, living. a good life for, for <laughs> a little while. Living, yeah. Nah, that's dope. That's yeah. dope. That's definitely interesting. And how long were you out there? I was there for, uh, probably about five months. Five months. Yeah. Okay, so what made you leave again? My father you, and my grandfather. Right, okay, so that, so, that so, yep. situation. Yep, so grandfather passed away. I came back to the States for the funeral, and literally last time I saw my father was at my grandfather's funeral. Wow, yeah. wow. And then you said you had four deals yep. here? Um, no, to go back overseas. To go back over to there. Go okay, back got, overseas. You, got you, got um, you. And you. And you just turned it down. Yeah. Understood. All right, yep. I got it. All right, so you come back to the U.S., and now you start getting into an official career. Correct. So yes. tell me about that. So first job back in actual Atlanta was, uh, so keep in mind, you know, my career really started in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So I graduated from college. 
I was there for about three years prior to making a decision to to pursue basketball again. Right. Um, so when I moved back to Atlanta, I mean, when I moved down here to Atlanta, um, when I came back from overseas, I, my first job was uh, HR for um, Home Depot. Okay. Some HR stuff from Home Depot, but it was contract position. Okay. And so from there, uh, I was there for about, I think like four months. And then I ended up getting my first corporate accounting job here um, at, in Atlanta uh, at Assurance. And so what we did there was the insurance company. So we did reinsurance accounting for other corp for other insurance companies. Okay. So I did that for a couple of years, but from that I became super interested in taxes out of nowhere. I don't know why or how. Um, so I, on top of working at Assurance, what I did was I got a part-time job at night um, working for a guy that was a CPA. He was hiring during tax season. And so I worked for him during that tax season to learn how to do, like, you, you're taught taxes in college, right. but you don't really, like, put it in, in practice for real. So to really do people's taxes, I, I did that. Okay. And I, yep. Okay. Got you. Got yeah, so you. I don't, I'm not sure if I said, so my, my degree is in accounting. And I was I was going to ask yeah. you that. So because you said you, you, you never said what you actually had your degree yes, in college. Yeah. So you got yeah. a degree, an official degree yes. in accounting. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I do a major in marketing and accounting. Okay. Okay, got you. So you end up going back to what you studied in college, mm -hmm. and you start utilizing that after your basketball career. Yep. All right, so continue the story. All right, so fast forward, uh, left Assurance, ended up getting into public accounting, um, which that's more of the CPA firm's lane. So did uh, did public accounting. First CPA firm I ever worked at um, was specifically in the dentistry industry. Um, so all of our clients were dental clients. Uh, but that's where, for me, I feel like I got a, a chance to truly apply what the numbers do to real life. So I'm, I'm dealing with business owners like yourself and myself where I'm seeing their numbers and, you know, translate that to how does this affect your bottom line of your business. Mm. And so... And you said that was dental. Yeah, all, okay. all dental, dental clients. Got you. They make yeah. a lot of money, don't they? They do. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, so literally all of our, for that particular... Um, firm that I worked at, they only serve dentistry clients. Okay. So, okay. And, and I'm pretty sure with them, with the owner, you probably had to make a certain amount of money in order to be a client as well. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. So from that, I did the, I would do a client's, uh, accounting, which is, you know, their financial statement preparation, um, take that down to doing that particular entity's, uh, tax return, and then follow that down to doing the owners of the business personal tax return. Okay. Yeah. All right. Got you. All right. Keep, keep on going. All right. So left there cause I hated working there <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I hated working there more so for the culture. I was the first black person that they hired within their 40 years of existence. Oh wow. Yeah. And I felt it. Yeah. You felt it. Got you. Got <laughs> um, you. So I ended up leaving there and then I went to another CPA firm, a smaller firm. And I would say that was the firm that really helped shape my career and, and where I'm at now. So I remember interviewing with the, with the owner there and out the gate, I told them that it's my dream to have my own business. It's never, it was never my desire to work for someone for the rest of my life. Right. And so I think from that, it was an older guy. He kind of older white man. He took me under his wings and, and literally he was, on, he was on the brink of retirement and he literally showed me everything that I needed to, to see or know. So if he had a new client, he would take me to that new client meeting with him um, let me listen to the dialogue of the conversation, how the conversation should go. Um, we would come back to the office. I would get that new client set up. I would in turn do their books, do their, so again, do, doing all of their accounting, do their tax returns, doing the, for the business and for the individual. I would tax plan that person. So I literally did everything from start to finish for a particular client. Okay. And then it got to the point where towards the end of me being there, I would actually go out and meet with new clients on my own. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So what, what are some of those things you said that he taught you kind of everything that you needed to know? Like, tell me about we're, some of we're that. running your own business for yeah. the most part. Okay. So, uh, so billing, how do you properly bill a client? Um, again, honestly, oftentimes when you're working at a larger firm, they, they want to carpet compartmentalize you. So you only get access to certain things or you get exposure to certain things. They don't want you to see the full picture. Right. And if you are seeing the full picture, more than likely, you're 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 not one of us in full picture. Just being honest with you. So, right. um, so with him, 
I was able to see the full picture. I was able to see how they bill a client, why they're billing the client this way. This way. Um, I was able to, like I said, go to the actual meeting of, of you know, when you're onboarding a client and what that looks like from start to finish. Like I was able to do everything. So he became like a mentor Absolutely. of sorts and just was, he, he, he heard you out and he said, all right, you want to learn how to run this business? I'm yep. going to teach you how yep. to do it. Awesome. All right. Then what happens after that? After that, uh, he's on the brink of retirement. He's kind of like out the door. He had another lady that was really fill, stepping in to fill his shoes. And um, we just didn't really rock well together. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I ended up leaving there and I went to a, my last job, which was a, a top 20 CPA firm. All right, guys, listen, before we continue the show, I got to give a shout out to our sponsor and our partner, OTR Solutions, formerly OTR Capital. But listen, guys, OTR is much, much more than just a factoring company. They provide so many solutions to help the small carrier not only get into business, but to stay in business and maintain, right? So you guys have to partner with them and check them out. Don't take my advice for it. Talk to their clients, right? Talk to their clients. Find out what the people are saying. Everybody will tell you the same thing. So make sure you give OTR Solutions a call at 470-900-3338 or click the link in the bio below. Make sure you check them out and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Okay. And um, again, with there, it was the same thing, but on steroids, except for um, you're not exposed to the full picture, meaning if you're a tax, you're only doing taxes. If you're accounting, you're only doing accounting. So, so somehow I would say I was blessed. I was able to be a part of, I came in on the accounting side, the which client advisory services side, but then I switched over to tax with them. So you're, when I say on steroids, you're not, you're no longer dealing with like smaller clients. You're dealing with clients that's probably making like 50 million a year. Okay. And so opposed to, you know, maybe they're making the, the firm I worked at prior to that, they're probably making like 3 million a year. Gotcha. And you said like, it's all like different departments. Mm -hmm. Like it's not no one person's handling everything. No. It's like nope. one department for one thing, yep. so forth and so, so on. So we literally had a, an accounting team. Um, we had uh, individuals where like the, the individual taxation team where they can only do individual tax returns. Um, on the business side, they were heavy into real estate. So uh, you got, if they had an actual real estate team, and they, all they did was real estate tax returns, and then uh, then you had the every other everybody else that just did other entity tax returns. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So why do you leave there? Because <laughs> I'm tired of working for people at this point. Got you. And, Got and, you. And and really taking taking it a step further is you know I came in to be honest with you I came in with a certain a, a certain amount of experience and background, and they basically said within a year you should be a manager. I wasn't a manager within that year, and that's not that's not a problem. Like for me, I don't really care about the title, but I do care about my growth. And so I feel like if if I'm consistently doing the same thing and I'm not being challenged, and I tell you that I want more, then and you're not listening to me. Right. Then, then right. it's time for me go. to leave. Yeah. You got to look for a better opportunity. Absolutely. But for me, that opportunity was at at that time. So I'll, I'll circle back or go back and say, my I said coming out the gate with the, the last firm I worked, the second to last firm I worked at, um, I told the owner I knew that I wanted to own my own business. So in 2013 is when I birthed the idea of what the name of my company would be. Um, I actually got my logo drawn out and all of that. And so I started putting that into practice in 2015. Okay. Meaning after I learned how to do taxes for working with that CPA on the side, um, I would do taxes on the side while I worked at this CPA firm. Okay, got you. So. Super bootleg taxes though, like <laughs> I'm using I'm using TurboTax. Right. It's like so you go create a TurboTax account and I'm gonna just go do your taxes for you. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> because I, I didn't have the um I couldn't get commercial software. Well, I did not go get commercial software at the time. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All so, right. So you have a little side hustle. Exactly. What what's that business called? That's Great Financial. Great Financial. Yep. All right. So, so you start name, Great, Great Financial. financial. Yep. Sounds big though. It may like the Great Financial yep. sounds like a big firm. I, I don't know why. It just yeah, it feels I'll big. <laughs> I mean, all right. So, so you start great financial. That's mm -hmm. your side hustle while you're working for this other company. Yep. So that, right. that's our officially really started, started that in like around 2015 and then 2018, October, 2018, I quit my job and I've been and went full for its great financial. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Okay. So how do we get to Transpo CFO? So Transpo CFO. So I'm, I'm, I'm full for its great financial and I had some transportation clients or some trucking clients. Um, I, my, Where'd they come from? 
Just word of mouth referral. Word of mouth. Okay. Yeah, every, every, I can say everything with Gray Financial was organic growth or has been organic growth. Like I've never really been on like marketing on steroids or anything like that. It's all been organic growth. So um, example, one year, the year, matter, matter of fact, the year after I quit my job, um, I went from doing less than 100 tax returns to a little over 200 tax returns, literally just off of word of mouth and referrals. Okay. And, okay. and then wow. same thing with, um, and I wasn't prepared for that growth. I can absolutely <laughs> say that. And then uh, same thing with um, my accounting clients. So I did, so with Great Financial, we did what well, we do because it's still in operation. So right. we do, um, we do same thing that I've been doing my whole career. So we do accounting, accounting for small businesses. Most of our clients uh, probably make 4 million or under. And then, so we do accounting for the small businesses. We do the business tax return, individual tax returns. Okay. So, yeah, Got so, so, so to put it in perspective about how many tax returns do you do a, a seat with every tax season, just to, uh, roughly uh, for great financial, for great financial, probably around 200. Okay. About yeah. 200. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. So you're getting into how we get into yeah. transport CFO. So, so again, so I have some transportation or trucking clients on the business side of things. So right. I'm doing the, the business, the books for trucking clients. And then from that, um, my business partner and I, he was, he, he, I have a business partner with Transpo CFO and he was heavy in, in the trucking space, like okay. super heavy in the trucking space. And, uh, we ended up being connected through a mutual friend and because he was trying to, he wanted to start a, um, accounting firm specifically for the tra trucking industry. Right. And I was already doing trucking, uh, or accounting for truckers. Got you. Per se. And so what we decided to do was to make it super specialized. We created Transpo CFO. So that way it's separate from everything that I'm doing great financial. So there's, so Transpo CFO is literally just for the transportation industries. Got you. Why is that important to have an accounting firm that is specifically geared towards uh, servicing the trucking company, uh, trucking companies? Why is that? Why is that an important thing? So, so for us, you know, I think that um, it, I, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I got to reference my man Hove. So women okay, lie, no, I, I like, women I like lie, men lie, numbers don't lie. So 85% of trucking companies fail within the first year. Oftentimes that relates back to lack of knowledge or, or their numbers. Like, so they really don't know their numbers. So, you know, most truckers are own operators. They go to school, they learn how to operate the truck, but nobody really knows how to read or understand financial statements. Okay. And I feel like by the time they get, they, they're, trying to they're scrambling trying to figure out where their money is going it's really too late at that point mm. and so um you know i my my family or i have like uncles that have cdos drove, drove trucks their whole life like one of my uncles he owns his own tr uh, transportation company so i've always been exposed to trucking yeah and i think it's just coming back full circle got you yeah transpo cfo do you guys just just tell me about the business what do you guys do what services do you offer so we do um, anything from your basic bookkeeping to uh, outsource CFO services, and that's where the CFO part of it comes in. So transpo, meaning transportation, mm -hmm. and then CFO. Okay. And so uh, we we do anything from basic bookkeeping, but within within our basic book, bookkeeping package, you still get a balance sheet and a profit and loss statement. Okay. And most bookkeeping companies may not do that, or it's, or it's or it's not really super clean. Just just go into what bookkeeping is for somebody who may not understand what that what what that is what that means to their business. Okay. So, uh, first things first is I, I'll start from inception. What you really need. So making so if you're starting a business, making sure you have a business bank account, right? So we take all of the information from your business bank account. Um, make sure your structure right or whatever and um, we connect that to our software that we use, like just manually importing it all. And then we translate that to making sure everything is properly coded. Uh, and at the end of it all, you, at the end of every month, we produce you a balance sheet and a profit and loss statement. And if you're a CFO client, then you'll also get some additional, um, some additional reports as well. Okay. But, and, and we start with the basics of balance sheet and profit and loss statement because you cannot go get funding from a bank without financials right. if you're a business owner. Got you. So what are the CFO services? Because you said there's a basic bookkeeping yeah. to CFO services. So, so we'll get into that. So CFO services is um, like you're, you're basically having like a monthly coach or a, a coach per se on, in the accounting space. So with the CFO services, we do um, CFO services is more so how do you grow and scale your business? Okay. So in, if I would say that's more... 
true business minded, you you really, really want to grow your business. Like you're not just in this thing to like you're not really playing with, like you right, really right. want to grow your business. And right. so with the CFO services, we 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 actually have an internal CPA that works with all of our clients in our CPA. So the your your call or monthly call or coaching, whatever you want to call it, is with our CPA. Okay. And so with that we go over um with that we do forecast and projections. We do uh, benchmarking, meaning how do you match up against your peers, whether you have one truck or 10 trucks. Like what does, what are your peers making if they're like in the same geographic area as you or they have the same amount of truck, trucks as you? That's interesting. Where do you guys get that information? Uh, we can pull it from their TMS system or just, just different systems. And then also we have some templates where some information has to be provided by the client. Okay, got you. So do you do you also use like some of your other clients as as references to yeah? Like so match that and that's like where it's in, really internal the, data. Absolutely, and that's where the benchmarking kind of comes in because we're again going back to we're specific to the transportation industry. Now we have our you know we have our group of clients and we can put in our in our software that we use for the KPIs. We're able to create like more uh, consolidated benchmarking groups. Got you. Do you guys typically cater to smaller trucking companies like the zero to 20 truck fleets? Or are you looking to cater to the larger nope. fleets? You can have one truck, you can have a hundred truck. It doesn't matter. You're okay. going to get the same level and quality of service. But most of your clients, where, where would they fall? I will probably say most of our clients fall anywhere between three to six trucks. Okay. Yeah. Three to six trucks. So let, let's speak to them. Like, yeah. Let's talk to those three to six truck carriers. Um, what are some of the mate, the, the, the most typical, uh, things that you see, uh, inefficiencies or issues that you may see once you kind of start working with some of these smaller carriers, three to six trucks, uh, what, what are some of the things that you guys spot, like the red flags that you spot instantly when you, you start working with them? So oftentimes with small business, business owners as a whole, I feel like they focus on gross revenue opposed to bottom line, meaning, you know, this low, it, 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 you might've made a hundred thousand for this month and they focusing on, they made that hundred thousand, but what did you walk away with? Right. And so um, a lot of times we'll see where maybe they're, if they have a factoring company, maybe they're being, they're being charged too much for factoring, um, meaning their percentages. And like, you, you can see that as a percentage of revenue. Um, so it could be factoring, maybe their dispatching fees are high, um, higher than, you know, um, I got I got a shout out Metro Max. I heard of what a Metro Max would charge. Okay, uh, shout out to Metro Max. Uh, so so just you know, are they overpaying for dispatching? Are they overpaying for factoring fees? Um, what are they paying their drivers? Is their driver pay um, in alignment with ind industry standards? And so and if they're not in alignment, if they're high, why are they high? So example being, I, I know a guy or I have a client that's paying his driver like thirty three percent of the load, mm. but he said is he's he's reliable and you know, he's, he's a worker. And so for him and his peace of mind, he's okay with paying him that percentage. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Whereas like, you know, and their, and their bottom line isn't really hurting. Okay. Yeah. What, what percentage? Um, and then also fuel, obviously fuel is high right now. Fuel is high. A hundred percent. What, when you're looking at your, your, your P and L and your balance sheets and so forth, what, what percentage should be profit of your overall, uh, gross, like, so can you break that down a little bit for, for someone who could just who's maybe doing their own yep. P and Ls and they're looking at their own stuff right now, right? They don't they don't use anybody right now, yep, right? Yep. What should they be looking at to know they're running a profitable company? So, I would say, and I have that, you know, it's it's funny because the there's a a, a thing where um, most like. Most people think accountants, I just got everything on the top of their head, but you Google a lot of stuff still. Right. But um, <laughs> but I actually have like spreadsheets and stuff of where benchmarks should be. But um, I believe that, uh, I want to say 15% is, okay. is average, I think. So but a lot of people run at like 3%. Okay. So so 15% is where you should be. Yeah. 3% is where a lot of people are, are at. at. Yeah. So what's that disparity? Uh like cost, okay. like literally just cost. So okay. again, the things that I named were driver pay. Honestly, I've seen people that you're starting your business. Now you got, you're putting your, your family members on payroll and they probably shouldn't even be on payroll doing like uh, administrative stuff. Right. So it's just, again, identifying where you overspend and where's that, where's that cost? What can you cut back at? 
Um, you know, there's things that you cannot change, like insurance. Like maybe we can get you a better rate for insurance, but or we can assist you in trying to get a better rate for insurance. But that's based on you personally for the most part. So okay, so do you guys? So I guess with the CFO uh, program, you guys help to talk about reducing some of those costs Absolutely. and kind of walk them through that. Absolutely, that's how it works. Yeah. So how how does that work? Do you typically like like have a sit down, like an intake or uh, onboarding, or like how, how does so, that process work? So usually with every client, regardless of whether they're CFO or not, um, one of the first things we do during our onboarding process is we'll talk about a budget. So. And what does that budget look like? So uh, so part of my uh, or our team's initial insight call, uh, questions are, you know, just us getting to understand how your business operates before we even see or get to your numbers. So, you know, do you have a factoring company? Who is your insurance through? How much are you paying for insurance? Are you leasing or buying your vehicle? Um, again, setting up a budget. How much money would you like to make every month and then back into that, helping you back into what that looks like? Mm. That's a part of all of, what, of all of what we do, whether you are, um, and then more so for the, for the budgeting aspect of it. If you're not, a, if you're not a, a CFO client, then we'll give you the budget, but it's kind of up to you more so to maintain it. Got you. Whereas if, you're, if you are a CFO client, we're going to help you truly maintain that and you know, make sure you stick to it because we're holding you accountable. You're, we're your accountability coach. Yeah, do, do you do you often see uh, like any companies like running in the red to Absolutely. where they're just like losing money? Yeah, a and, lot. And, and how do you guys like approach that? Like when you when you see a company, it's like, man, you guys are like one load away from being out of business. We see that a lot. And honestly, so in, in just full transparency, we've seen some companies that signed up um, or that's come on board and it's too late. Meaning by the time we get them and their books are clean, like you said, they're one load away, but it's it's by the time they've engaged us, they're really on the verge of going out of business, mm. and that's sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so is it? I mean, at that point, is there anything you could do to help? Uh, it depends on. So we we from that we've worked out some different relationships. So we have some different banking relationships that maybe we can help you get a line of credit. But all of that depends on your credit, right? And so that's another issue that we that we run into that we've seen is that, you know, a lot of these uh, truckers like or owner operators or business owners as a whole, because, you know, sometimes we have people that they they start the business, but they're just operating the business. So they're not the driver. So they're not an owner operator. So yeah, an investor. It, absolutely. They're yeah. investor. And even from that aspect, your person, your credit still has to be a one, too, because you're the it's your business. Yeah. And so we've run into issues where um, we've seen clients who have gone out of business more so because they need funding but they really can't get that funding because of, or they can't really get good funding. And I say good funding where it's like not those BYZ funder loans or um, I think it's a fund box The we got to do the weekly payments. Yeah, like, yeah. Cause those are tough. Yeah, for sure. And so it's, you know, their credit is bad. So they have to resort to those type of situations, but maybe we help you take that or get that as a short-term solution to get you back and, and budget you to where you need to get to get back on track. Got you. And then also within that, we also have a, um, a credit partner that we work with. Okay. Yeah. Okay. From a tax preparation standpoint, what are some of the most important things that carriers should be thinking about? So just knowing what you can write off. So, um, you know, I think that a big thing is knowing where you fall at income wise. So, and if, and if you're properly structured, meaning if you're a single member LLC, should you tru truly be taxed as a single member LLC? Meaning um, your business is reported on your individual tax return as a schedule C, or should you be taxed as an S corporation or a C corporation? If you're an individual, um, if you're a single member LLC. Okay. So with that being said, you know, see, obviously I like S corps, um, but S corps are not for everyone. Right. And so if you are with if you are if you are eligible for an S Corp, it's, you know, knowing how much money that can save you. Got you. Yeah. Is there anything that is uh, new that's come up and coming in the tax code? Any changes that you see that could be beneficial to small carriers or has there been any changes in the tax code within the last year or so that maybe people should should look into? So I know one thing that's new that just kind of came out is they increased the mileage rate for this latter half of the year. And okay. it's, I want to say it's like 62 and a half cents or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but okay. that sounds about right. Okay. Um, which is about eight or 10 cents more than what it was before. Meaning um, in 
with auto or transportation, you can either take the you can either take a a standard deduct uh, a stand like the mileage deduction, or you can take actual. And so, you know, just in terms of what does that work out to be more advantageous for you as an owner? So that's one thing. Okay. Um, I know they're doing some things with depreciation. So, again, in terms of like if you lease or buy your vehicle, that determines if you're able to depreciate your vehicle. So if you're leasing. There's no depreciation because it's not really an asset per se. Okay. It's, it's you know it's a three year lease or however long you got to turn it back in. Gotcha. Versus if you're buying your truck, you know some things. A big thing that you could take advantage of is depreciation. Like, do you fully depreciate your visit, your vehicle, uh, your truck within the year that you buy? Meaning one sec, section one seventy nine, it write it off, or do you spread it out over the, over years? And that's that's based on everybody's different situation. Got you. What about like working with like, do you work with like contractors, like people who have like 1099s and all that? Mm -hmm. what, can you talk about like some misconceptions? Like, because I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, things out there when, and as it relates to taxes with contractors that people may not necessarily know. Is there anything you could like, anything you could add to that kind of conversation at what, filing your taxes? Mm, give me some examples of like what you think. So like, okay, so like if, if you're a con if you're a 1099 contractor, but let's say you don't have like an official like business, but you're just working as a contractor yeah. for a company. Okay, gotcha. You, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So like a like a like a driver. Like a driver, okay. and you're and you're being paid as a 1099 contractor, yep. but so sometimes with that you'll see where people don't think that they get they get to write things off as well, but you do. So example being, if you have a home office, you get to take a home office deduction. Um, if you can. Well, as it's, as a contractor, most of the time they, they're not coming out of pocket for like their fuel and stuff like that. But you still get to write off like your your cell phone if you're using your personal phone, um, job supplies if you're coming out of pocket for job supplies or things in the truck. Uh, you know, anything that you are coming out of pocket for while you're doing your job is is really a write off. Gotcha. Is there yeah. anything that people don't realize that they can write off that? that you can say, hey, you could write this off also. That's like surprising to some some people? I, not really right now. I think that there's so much free game out there right now that it's, you know, most people kind of know where they, they've they done their, their homework. I think the biggest one is probably that home office. Okay. Um, yeah, home office deduction. Okay, got you. Um, so, uh, like, as far as um, preparing taxes, again, let's just kind of stick yep. there. Um, with the tax preparation, um, what are, I already asked you, what are some of the things that the, the drivers should be thinking about right beforehand, right? Did I ask you that? Nope. What, what, are, what are some <laughs> of the things they should be thinking about beforehand? Before. The before they like prepare are, to do their actual taxes. And are we talking about like the owner or are we talking the about owner. just, okay. The owner. Um, so biggest thing is probably having, if you don't have an accounting software or an accountant that you use, like you're not doing it yourself, I would say is um, maybe checking in with somebody or, or whoever did your taxes before, maybe checking in on a, on a quarterly or semi-annual basis okay. uh, because again depending on how your structure you might end up owing a lot of money at the end of the year if you're not paying in quarterly estimated taxes as a as a single member llc person mm. yeah okay so pay your quarterly taxes pay your quarterly taxes if you're if you are a single member llc okay got you what's the most you ever because as, as a single i'm sorry as a single member llc if you're an owner um one big thing is you're you don't really get to take a, a salary right so if I'm a single member LLC and I'm a Schedule C, any money that I take out the company is considered a draw. Um, so, example, I made one hundred thousand. I took fifty thousand out. My taxable income is one hundred thousand. Okay. Because that fifty thousand that I took out is considered a draw because I'm a single member LLC. So my tax, I'm paying taxes on that hundred, not not fifty. Okay. Whereas again, when you get into a, a, a S corp, I made one hundred thousand. I took fifty thousand out as a salary my net income is 50,000. I'm paying taxes on that 50. So with, with the S Corp, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, you have to uh, claim like a reasonable, they call it like a reasonable, reasonable compensation. compensation. Yeah. So how, how does a, for a truck, a truck driver or, or a truck owner, mm -hmm. what's, what's reasonable? Like how do you determine what's a reasonable compensation? So it depends on if they're, um, and, and really the, for IRS is more so, what would you pay market value for somebody else doing this job? Okay. It, it, that's what's deemed reasonable. So, um, or if they're an owner, if they're an owner operator, then if you wanted to keep, pro, like you want to show profit, so obviously you don't want to take all of the money out. Um, so you could pay yourself if you say, I always tell people like if you know, like let's say you made $10,000 this month, 
you know that to sustain your lifestyle or your household, you probably need, let's say you can live off 4,500, pay yourself a salary of 4,500. Okay. And then the rest is, you know, you can still have other expenses coming out, but, um, the rest is retained earnings, meaning there's money going back to the business. So, and and the reason to, well, I mean, I guess everybody has their reason why they do things, but you're able to base. Okay. So is there anything that's, that's, what what's unreasonable is what I'm saying because that's like kind of like a blurred line, right? Right. You say like is. a reasonable compensation. You say yeah, so, five thousand is reasonable. So my you know my saying? typical rule. Well, yeah. How do, I, how do I'm you not gonna t- say my typical rule of thumb, but in my my upbringing of being at working at all the different CPA firms I worked at, um, the good a good rule of thumb from what I've always been told, if they're a um, a, a one owner, like it's just one owner is. is so it's the owner operator, he's an S Corp, it's probably fifty percent as a salary. Okay. Fifty percent. GTT Commercial Ties is a tire store that's designed with the owner operator in mind. It serves as a helpful community where you are always their number one priority. Whether you're a new owner operator or you've been driving for years, their mission is the same to keep owner operators in business. That's why they go above and beyond providing superior customer service when you actually need it, educating you on proper tire care and delivering a no BS sales experience. With two conveniently located stores in Richmond and Petersburg, Virginia, and almost 2,000 five-star Google reviews, they are truly raising the bar and setting a new standard in tire care. Make sure you call 1-800-991-6251 to schedule your appointment now and tell them Truck & Hustle sent you. Okay, most of the trucking companies that you work with, are they LLCs? Why do you think everybody goes the LLC route? I think that's just, I think that's what everyone knows. They think that standard LLC, you're, you're protected, quote unquote protected, you know, you're because you're not putting it in your name. So nothing is really in your personal name. So if you're ever to get sued, taking it from a, from a liability aspect of it, if you're sued, you know, they can't come after you personally. They're coming after the business. Okay. So taking that a step further, which most most people don't realize is as a single member LLC, you're paying fifteen point three percent in taxes on mm. your on your profits. Mm. Got you. Was it fifteen point three three percent? Which is Social Security and Medicare taxes. Okay. So that's in addition to your original tax rate or or original tax. Which is what? Based on wherever you fall, based on wherever your income, your ordinary income rate. What are some other uh, things that you're handicapping yourself with if you're an LLC as opposed to some of the other? S-Corps and so forth. Mm, I know I, you said you like S-Corp. I do. So, again, it's a salary. You know, can you take a salary um, versus you're, you're just taking draws? Again, that's that's affecting your bottom line, meaning in terms of what you're paying taxes on. So, I mean, everybody's everybody's goal is to pay less money in taxes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. it's, you know, if you're if you're a single-member LLC, you made 100000 profit, then you're paying taxes on that 100000 That's That can't. So, and, and again, that's. Now you have to pay the 15.3% Social Security Medicare tax. And then you also have to pay taxes at your ordinary tax rate of mm. whatever that falls. Because you may have other things like if you have investments or just whatever. What's the disadvantages of being like an S-Corp? Like what are some of the advantages of being an LLC? Let's flip it around. Um, I think so. I would say if you're if you're not really making more than 50000 or I would say even say like thirty five to fifty thousand, then you shouldn't be an escort. Or, okay. Or, because you're not really paying as much in taxes and the headache of um your your you have payroll taxes that you have to pay or that you have to like you have to pay in and you have to do pay payroll tax returns that's quarterly. So you can run into you see where some small businesses run into um, issues with file, staying compliant on the payroll side of things. Mm. Yeah. So it's a lot more paperwork. Absolutely. To be an escort, absolutely, as opposed to an LLC. Yeah. So if you don't want to do all the extra paperwork, yeah, just just file LLC. Yeah, and then if you're making under a certain amount of money too, got you. Because because that, that's a separate tax return. So S corporation is a, a totally separate tax return. So it's more more than likely you're going to get charged more for it because it's a, it's a more complicated return. Got you on the actual return itself. Mm-hmm. What about a corporation? And nobody does that. So again, in my in my my all of my years of working at different CPA firms, the the people that I've seen that our C-Corps are those that are really making money, like, and and making money overall, right? So um, 
let's say you got investments over here, like so you're heavy in real estate over here. So personally, you just got a lot going on. Mm. And so you're probably going to fall into like that higher tax bracket. So you're like that 30 something percent tax, tax bracket. Then it may be more advantageous for you to be a C-Corp because C-Corps are taxed at a flat 21%. So opposed to going S-Corp where that's a flow through and that's you're getting taxed at your individual tax rate. So again, using that same ex example, if you're at 37%, why do I want to pay taxes at 37% when I can just pay it, pay it flat 21% on right. the business level? Right. Yeah. And as far as uh, your incorporation and your entity, is there any advantages to setting up in any particular states or any places that you that you can? People, I know a lot of people say Delaware. Yeah, and I've stuff heard. Like that. So I've heard Delaware. I've heard, heard Wyoming. Um, I don't really get into that. Like I feel like <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like uh, again, like in in the I, I have clients that are set up in Delaware, Wyoming. Uh, it's a few other ones out there, but I live in Georgia, man. I set my stuff up in Georgia. <laughs> like, but there's there's supposed to be tax havens there, or whatever. There, but there I, is. I don't know. I, I I don't have a business in Delaware, but I. It seems like people do it, so I'm trying to yeah, figure out what, it, what's it, what's it, the big deal. It is, but at the same time, I feel like that's for people that's really again really making money, mm. and I think that that's again like misconceptions of us. It's like you hear all these track tax strategies, but like you're. It's not really applied to you yet because, like, you might be making like twenty five thousand dollars. So why are you worried about what the person making five million, million is doing? Is here? Making. Right. Yeah. No, I got you. What What's the uh, and, and even and even all of my years of, of practice at CPA firms, it's like I, I had a client that she was she's a music producer, um, old, older music producer, but she her stuff was set up out of Delaware. But um, when I say older, like. She's like in her 60s. So she I just got her recently as a client with like the, within like the last three, four years. Okay. And her she has so she's making money, money. So she has a What's tax money, money. Millions a year. Like tens of millions? Not tens of millions, but 10. but back High but, but probably in her peak she was okay. she probably was hitting that. Okay. Um, but she's probably now at about like two, 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 three million a year. Okay. But her her setup was different, you know. So she used to live in Cali, she moved here, she she has a, she has, you know, she had a CPA, she had a bookkeeper, she had a tax attorney that worked in conjunction with the CPA. And then the, so, um, so funny, the, the, I ended up getting her as a client because when I quit my firm, the last firm I worked that day, she, she shot her to me. So okay. we continue to work together. So okay. I just really did her accounting stuff, but, um, cause she had multiple entities, but I worked with the CPA firm that I quit for her. And then she also had a tax attorney in New York. So the tax attorney in New York is set up is who set up all of her stuff and her stuff was out of Delaware. Okay. But it's, I think for her in particular is a little bit more strategic because she has trust and stuff like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's not my lane. <laughs> gotcha. No, I got it. I got it. All right. This, this question may be a little controversial. Okay. Do trucking companies make as much as they claim to? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> not because, by line. I mean, if, if, if you're on social media right now, everybody's making millions and millions in trucking. And we just want to keep it real, right? Uh, exactly. This is a business, right? And, and you and can make money. And that's that gross revenue versus net, net yeah, income. Yeah, let's, let's, let's. Yeah. So they don't make as much as they. And, and in comparison, because you actually do tax for all types of different industries. Mm -hmm. So if you had to grade it, right, and you're to say, from like one to ten of all the different industries that you deal with, yeah. where would trucking be in that grade? This honestly from your from your experience. That's tough. So I would probably say about a four. Okay. And I would say like some something like um so some of my clients I on I and on great financial side is we have uh clients in the dental industry. And dentistry can make good money, like right. like gross revenue and net revenue. Right. So yeah, so I would say about a four. But yeah. there's probably some standout trucking companies that top that four because yeah, of sure. based on the way they run. The way they're yep, their processes, their structure, um, are they lean? Are you not taking out unnecessary money or spending unnecessary money? You, you see a lot of times too where uh just really more so from trucking's perspective, uh cash flow is tight, not necessarily because you know, they're because it's going towards the business, but they got also got all that personal stuff running through there. Mm. So cash flow is tight because you may let's say you had a really good month as a as an owner operator, you made twenty five thousand or you know, twenty thousand, you got two trucks or something like that. And from that, but now you 
You got your car note running through there, your, your personal car note, personal car insurance. Right. You got your rent coming out. Like, I see that. But isn't that called piercing the corporate veil? It is veil? piercing the corporate veil. And that's not a good thing, right? Absolutely Can you not. explain that? Yeah, so when you're piercing the corporate veil, it's more so um, <laughs> if if someone were, were to sue you, you've pierced your corporate veil, meaning your your co-mingling funds. So you're intertwining your personal funds with your business funds. And so if something were to happen, someone sued me today, I pierced my cor corporate veil. So in the, the, the eyes of the law, um, that particular person that's suing you can now be, they can now be privy to your personal assets as well because you're co-mingling them. Right. Yeah. Is, is there is there like a, a point at which that applies? Like, let's say, uh, you know, you go to the store real quick and you buy, you, yeah. you go to, the uh, convenience store and you yeah. buy some milk or whatever for your family on your on your business credit card yeah. like or we is all, there like all, a limit we all pulled out the card yeah, yeah yeah for sure like you forgot your other debit card yeah. is there like a limit like once you've hit like 5000 now you're piercing the veil like how does that how does that work what's the benchmark i honestly don't know the benchmark but i think that it's when it's in excess or excess i think that it and i've seen it be excessive where like people are legit like you got all of your business in all of your personal stuff coming out of your account and so if if we're looking at your balance sheet, you got a big portion in owner owner uh, shareholder distributions or owner um, draws, depending on how you're structured, because all your personal issues coming out the business bank account. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. so it's like really you could be doing a lot better from a cash flow perspective if you just tightened up on the personal side too. Yeah, yeah, got you. Most of the truck, going back to finance, because people love to hear numbers here yeah. on this show. Um, most of the trucking companies you're seeing, are they making, grossing millions? Mm, I, so I would say the companies that I've seen grossing millions are those that probably are like at that five, six truck range. Five, six truck. Yeah. Is when you hit millions and usually. Yeah. And, and like multiple millions. Okay. So I've seen, I've seen somebody run like three, four trucks and they've hit a million. Okay. Depending on the lanes and what they're doing and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Got you. And then typical net could be anywhere, like you said, from three to what what percent? I would say anywhere from three to 15. Three to 15%. Yeah. Mo most people are more in alignment of like that three to five. So if you, if you made a, if you made a million, you've made about $150,000 profit, profit. Take home. So, so like a hundred thousand to 150,000 is yours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If okay. you're if you're running really good numbers, yeah, and, and yeah, so but they said that's like about five to six trucks. Yeah, it's not, and that's not that's not a high percentage. Like I said, most people are probably at that like three to five percent range. Got you. So so to have like a hundred thousand uh, dollar, uh, well, man. So if you're if you're at three trucks, so let's say if you have five if you have five trucks, you're making about one hundred fifty. Let's just call yeah, it that yeah. so if you had th three trucks you're probably bringing home about maybe 50 60 70 something like that mm, possibly possibly and these are all rough numbers because yeah, like again it yeah, depends on your profit yeah. margins yeah. but i'm just throwing it out there yeah like, possibly yeah okay but then you. i've seen a guy um i've seen you know one of my i've seen a client got run one truck and he's driving it himself and he's just super focused and he picked up a lane um and he making like nine thousand a week and he's just keeping it Keeping it tight, keeping, keeping it lean. lean. All these, all these. I mean, obviously, you got to, you got to pay your insurance and stuff like that. But he's paying for gas, and he's like, yeah, I'm running this thing myself. Yeah, nah, no doubt. And 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 that's really the thing because it's really just about how you run your company. There's so there's upside to this business, but we want to be like realistic yep. and not sell people dreams. Absolutely. Like this is a tough business to be in, just like any business, you know. And you know, you have to. Control your business and yep. create those profits for and yourself. And you know, obviously, you're going to have things that you can't control, like right. like repairs and maintenance expenses. Like that's that's heavy. Yes. I see. Yeah. That's 100%. So making sure you get your good good equipment. Um, and you know, that's the operational side of what my what my I said I had a partner. My partner could speak to that side or advise on that side a little bit more because he's he has trucks. Okay. So okay. I feel like that's also the beauty of of where we stand in this lane or like the service that we provide is because. You know, I'm I'm 100% numbers. Like I love numbers, and he's he's numbers, but he's also yeah, that trucking side. Exactly. No, that's awesome. exactly. So he can speak from that side because he's living it. He's doing it. Got you. Yep. Got you. All right, that's awesome. Is there any any additional things that you want to add in the in the financial space that I didn't ask, or something that you think the audience should definitely know that I, I didn't cover? I want to make sure we get as much information out of you because it's so important to understand these numbers, man. There's numbers is everything. I, I 
think so. I think that the you know the biggest thing is if you're if you feel like you're at a point where you necessarily cannot afford an an outsourced accountant, then you know just man you can do old school like it don't have to be fancy. You can you can write it down on a sheet of paper. All right, here's how much I made per load. At the, you know add that up. Here's my income for the month. Um, here's how much every single dollar I spent coming out. And so now you know your net income. And I think that's the biggest thing is, again, everybody focus on that top line revenue, but nobody really focuses on how much they're truly bringing home. For sure, for yeah. sure. But if you do and you can afford an accountant, yeah. check out Transpo CFO, <laughs> right? And how does that process work? So uh, in, in terms of, so you can, we're social media outlets. So I think the biggest thing is, on social media, we're transpocfo.com right. okay. um, on website. So you can just hit us, go to contact us, shoot us a, a message, and we'll reach back out to you and get you started. And we'll and we'll definitely put that information yeah. in this show. To and I, and I feel like our process, you know, we we've had time to tweak it, and and our I feel like our process is pretty pretty good. Um, we get you going pretty quickly. Um, I will say, you know, I. I come from a world where, again, I worked like my last, the last corporate job I had was at a top 20 CPA firm. So like, you know, your numbers matter. And I'm super, super anal about my numbers. Right. And so meaning like, I want to make sure your numbers are accurate. And, and our our internal uh, CPA that we work with as well, or that's on our team as well, she's the same way. So we are, our internal CPA that is on our team, she's from Deloitte, which is a big four. Mm. And so that's your that's your advisor, right? So that's she's her background is advising on a larger level, you know, how to grow and scale your company or what where do you need to cut back at? Like where where do you need to um cut cost at? And I think that's the biggest thing. Like we we're pretty good at identifying where you're overspending. And that I and honestly I always say too that, you know, accounting is your history, right? So like accountants were pretty good at giving you historic data because we're, we're telling you how you did, we're summarizing, we're recapping what you did the month before. Yeah. So, and then finance is more so projections, future. How do you get to where you're, how do you get to where you're trying to go, right? Yep. And so the beauty of Transpo CFO is that we bring the two together. So we do, you know, we have accounting and we have finance and we're bringing it together because our background is truly accounting and finance and we're bringing it together. So. We're, we could tell you how you did last month, but then we're going to last month. But we're also going to project you out three, four months to tell you here's what it looked like you should make the next three, four months, and and then again taking it back to a budget to actual. Did you reach? Did you hit what we projected you're, that you're going to hit based yeah. on what you tell us you're trying to do? No doubt, no doubt. All right, cool. I love it. I love it. So uh, customarily, we always have a final thought before we go. All right. And um, you kind of just let everybody know where they can connect with you. Um, and like I said, I'll leave that in the show notes as well so people can find it. But um, just end us off with like a final gem for the Hustle fam, uh, whether it's financial tip or just <laughs> something entrepreneurial or something from the heart, spiritual, whatever. And then we'll get out of here and wrap. All right, so I'll go back to what I said earlier. You know, numbers don't lie. 85% of trucking companies fail within the first year. So, again, whether you decide to go with us or you go with somebody else, just make sure you put an accountant on your team. Like, no doubt. Yeah. Simple, <laughs> simply put. If you can't respect that, another hole, right? Can't respect that, your, your whole, whole perspective, perspective is whack. whack. You know what I mean? Hustle fam, you know what we do around this time. If you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Myself, Denisha Gray, Transpo CFO, we out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.